You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to another episode of the Hoops Fix podcast with me, your host, Sam Nita, full-time British basketball advocate. And this week's show, we have none other than Kareem Queeley, 2001-born prospect, is obviously uh, involved with the Great Britain Senior Programme and currently plying his, tra- plying his trade uh, in the ACB uh, in Spain. He burst onto the scene as a 13-year-old uh, when he won the Mini Copa MVP uh, in Spain whilst on trial with Real Madrid. Uh, was blown up all over the internet. You should go and check out that YouTube video. Uh, if you search it, you'll see it's now done tens of thousands of views, but you'll see a 13-year-old Kareem crossing people up, dunking on people, and just, uh, yeah, essentially way above the competition. He's, from there, he signed a multi-year contract with Real Madrid, um, which just expired uh, ahead of the 2019-20 season, and then signed with uh, San, Pablo, San Pablo Burgos, uh, which is where he is uh, currently playing. You know, he's had a lot of success at junior level, represented the Great Britain and England under 16, 18s and 20s. Uh, won a EuroLeague junior title and then became one of the few Brits to win a senior European title, uh, club title with um, Burgos uh, in October at the end of the, for the Basketball Champions League. So yeah, super impressive career for someone who is just uh, 19 years old. So in this interview, uh, we kind of talked about his journey so far, uh, him starting out in Leicester and kind of where he is today and obviously uh, the future as well. So yeah, really cool conversation, which uh, I think you'll enjoy. As always, before we get into the show, please take two seconds to check out our Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash hoops fix that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash h-o-o-p-s-f-i-x there you can start to give us a monthly or annual contribution of as much or as little as you would like that goes a long way in helping us do the work that we're doing trying to grow uh, the british basketball media landscape um, so please go and check it out patreon.com forward slash hoops fix if you're watching on YouTube, let me know in the comments uh, what you think uh, about what Kareem had to say. Um, if you want some private one-on-one interaction, drop me an email, sam at hoopsfix.com. Or you can reach out to me on every single social media platform at Hoopsfix. Anyway, uh, that is enough from me. Uh, here is this week's show with Kareem Quilly. Kareem, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So... Obviously, you're still still young in your career, but um, I think it's, it's it's a good little checkpoint to come in at, at this point and talk about everything that you've you've done so far. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I think in years to come, it would be good to look back on it and kind of look at the, the progression you've made. But um, yeah, yeah, I guess starting with your basketball journey, like I always like to go back to the beginning. So I'd love to hear kind of like what made you first pick up basketball, uh, how you first started getting into the game. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, when I first started playing, it was just kind of something to do for me, in, like in the summer, like something to get out of the house and not be inside the whole time. Um, mainly I started when I, well, I first moved to England when I was around 10 years old and I was staying with my, with my auntie for a bit and, uh, she was kind of big on like, not just staying in, like staying inside every, like every day, just, just doing like on computer games, for example. So like she always got me and my cousins to like go out and go to, uh, it was like a multi-sports camp at one of the leisure centers in Leicester and like they had, they had more, they had other sports, but they, they. I think the guy that was actually running the multi-sport thing, he was more of a basketball kind of coach. And uh, I, that's that's how I got into it, really. Like, just going to a, a camp. Well, was it, where did you move from? Was it was that some kids? 
St. Kitts, yeah, St. Kitts. Okay, mm-hmm. how, how was that actual transition moving from St. Kitts? I've, I've actually been to St. Kitts with Midnight Madness in 2014. Oh, yeah, yeah I've, I've heard of that. Heard um, of that yeah. So it was, it, was, it was really interesting to kind of see, like, what the basketball was like there, obviously playing outdoors and, and everything else. But, like, I guess what, how would you find culturally sort of that transition from, from you know, tropical island life to, to yeah. Leicester? Yeah, well, it's funny because when I was there, I didn't play basketball that much. I more watched it than they played it more than anything. Like I would, uh, I was, I, I would do before I did uh, athletics. I ran a uh, hundred meters and two hundred meters, and I played football. And then, uh, so when I when I did move, uh, make the move when I was around ten, I was still playing football like at the start until I I had to I made the change, but I was playing football at the start. And the weather difference was was crazy. That's one of the main. That's one of the main reasons I actually changed sports. Apart from the fact that I enjoyed it more, and I liked I actually liked it, like enjoyed playing basketball. It was it was the weather. It was a weather change for me. Yeah, everyone everyone here. I think that's a struggle of every British basketball player is, is the 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 outdoor weather and then obviously trying to get access to to an indoor court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how how did you end up uh, sort of coming from from obviously the camp? What was what made you pick up the ball for the first time? And then of course you mm-hmm. ended up getting with the, getting involved with the Leicester Warriors program. So, so well, how, how did well, that happen? Of, yeah, speaking on the on the like the activities I was talking about, it was like uh, the person who ran the the basketball camp for for the Evington uh, Leisure Centre. It was actually the 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 Warriors, the basketball club. They actually ran it. Like they were they were like the same coaches that were there. And I was like, for my age, I was pretty big. I was like pretty tall for for my age. And uh, and like they they kind of. Um, well, I started playing off there just like a, a little summer camp and then the year, like the school year was about to start. So like the season was about to start and they, they wanted me to, to join the team. Do you feel like from when you first picked up a ball, you had a natural ability for it? Like did it come naturally or was it something you had to work at? Uh, I feel, I feel like a bit of both because I wasn't, at the start, I wasn't like, I couldn't really shoot. I, I used to shoot, like I used to shoot the ball like a, like a football throw in. Like so, I guess I guess it kind of changed over time. Like just just practicing, practicing a lot. And what sort of uh, sort of practice time, access to court, were you getting? Like, so you were what, like ten, eleven years old at this point? Like, how much yeah. were you actually able to play and sort of work on your game? Oh, uh, well, when I when I actually started, it was it was a summertime. So um, I think the camp probably lasted like two hours, probably two hours a day. I think they had it probably every day. But um, that day, that was at the start. That was at the start. And then how did it, how did it progress from there? Well, um, when the school year actually started, it was more of it wasn't much wasn't much practice. We probably I, pro- I probably practiced twice a week with the team. It was probably like a Monday afternoon after school, and a Saturday early Saturday morning. But apart from that, I would like because I actually enjoyed playing like actually playing basketball. I actually ended up getting a, a hoop at my house in the back garden. I, I would practice by myself there too. Okay, so yeah, I was going to ask, like, what, at what point did I guess uh, did it switch from something that you were doing, you know, a couple of times a week, and then and, and it became a serious thing where where you're like, you know what, I actually you know really like this, and I want to kind of pursue it in a in a lot more serious way. Uh, well, it took pretty, it took actually, well, probably not even till like we actually start, like probably my second, third year of actually playing with the team, because even at the start having joined the team i didn't really take it that it was just like something fun for me to do i didn't really take it that seriously what, and what caused the switch um well what caused the switch was that i actually i had even when this when the school year had started i, I was I, I was actually with a football team as well so at one point i would probably have a football practice in the morning and then a basketball game in the afternoon 
but then some weekends like the the times would clash so i had to end up at the end of choosing why it's like obviously for most kids in the uk you've got a choice between basketball and football the vast majority will end up going to football right like is it literally just the outdoor thing you wanted to stay indoors like or was there other things about the sport that you that liked? was that was a factor that was a factor but to me i i enjoyed i enjoyed playing basketball more yeah. But that the, the weather was a factor because I would have practice at like eight in the morning, like outside in the park, freezing cold in the winter. So yeah, yeah. So it, it was it was an easy change. And what the sort of the, obviously those those years with the Leicester Warriors was kind of the foundation, right? That was what what set everything up. Like I guess what mm-hmm. were the the big learnings uh, there? Like you were, I mean. I think Arban was your was your main coach, yeah, right? Yeah, Arban Giga, yeah. Arben. So what, like, what what was he teaching you? What were you learning? Like, what, I guess what what was it that created the sort of the foundation for your ability that that led to obviously what has happened since? Yeah, well, me and Arban actually we used to. I mean, practice would be I think practice was maybe at nine with the team, and Arban would actually pick me up from my house and we would go like hour before, and we would start like practicing just like shooting uh, again up and down the court, dribbling and stuff. So we are like, apart from the team practice, like me and Arvam actually used to put in extra hours, like apart from, and me, even after practice, I would I would go home and still be like practicing in the back, in the back garden. So I think that's kind of where it took off from there. When did you realize you were pretty good? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not too sure. I mean, I think I realized when, when teams, like when we were playing against other teams, like they would just be like more fo- focused on me more than anything else. Like, they wouldn't worry about other players. They would, they would just like try to stop me in a kind of a kind of way. Because the thing is, right? I, I, obviously, I, I remember like getting messages, and and there's. I think at that point there was under thirteen. Was there under thirteen national league at that point? Yeah, yeah, it was like national under thirteens and the fourteens, and I, I always played up as well. Yeah, and, but up. you were also there were you were having ridiculous games, right? There was you know eighty point <laughs> games, ninety point games. Like, I can't even remember exactly. Like what yeah, were, what a, were some of the biggest games? That, Seventy point games. Yeah. yeah, what were some of the bigger games that you had? Uh, I think I think I mean apart from even apart from national league, I played uh, actually played. Um, the secondary school league for a bit too, yeah. like against against school teams. I think one of those games I had like eighty two or some some something ridiculous like that. And a couple of national league games I had at least like seventy, sixty a couple of games. And so were you thinking, okay, like, you know, I want to look at my options, potentially go abroad. Of course, you know, we know the teams eventually came knocking, but like kind of what mm-hmm. was what was your mindset at that point? You know, you're thirteen years old, you're having like ridiculous games. Of course you're getting a bit of hype. Like, you know, I was uh, I always feel quite careful about how much I hype a 13-year-old because I think it's just very, very early. And, you know, I will get messages from coaches yeah. being like, oh, you need to cover this kid. And da, 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 da. And I like to kind of let it play out a little bit. Um, of course, it got to the point of view uh, because of what happened in Spain that, that it was being covered by every single mainstream uh, news outlet in Europe. And I was like, well, now yeah, I'm yeah, behind yeah. the curve and I kind of need to jump on. But what was your, like... Yeah, I guess what were, how were you approaching it? Like, were you thinking I want to try and get over get overseas to sort of uh, pursue this basketball thing? Like, what were you thinking? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, funny enough, like it was it was not on my mind at all because like I just played basketball because like I liked like I enjoyed playing it. Like I didn't even I didn't even know of teams overseas. Like I didn't even know Real Madrid was a basketball team. Like I just I was just playing basketball honestly, and then uh, it actually happened when. Uh, I think it was the under under thirteens on the fourteens final four in uh Worcester. Um we, we made it to the we made it to the final four. We played semifinals and finals and after that uh after that um the finals uh I got contacted by one of the Spanish 
the scouts. And that's when I that's when I actually like that's when I actually knew about more teams like in Europe and stuff. Did you win a national title? Uh, a school a school national title. I didn't I didn't win a mm-hmm. like a national league title. And the thing, I, I remember because I saw I remember seeing you play I remember seeing you playing Worcester I'm sure I've got I was filming the older teams because it was under 13 under 15 I think so I was, I was filming the yeah. older age groups but I remember mm-hmm. looking across to the, the younger the younger age group and filming a little mm-hmm. bit of your game um, and I feel like I also saw you playing Sheffield as well uh, on the blue court at some point yeah yeah but I think we're talking about a different final four I'm talking about I think I'm, I'm talking about the one before that I think yeah, yeah I think you're talking about under 14s Right. But there was also the under-13s. Okay. And the, what, the, the one you're talking about wasn't... I don't think it was worse. It might have been in, in Sheffield, actually. I'm not too yeah. sure. And, and but it was against it was against Worthing Thunder. Okay. Um, okay. And also, the other thing... Well, and my memories of it, and no disrespect to your teammates, mm-hmm. <laughs> was that basically <laughs> it was you <laughs> uh, yeah. versus everybody else. And I, I, I ain't even gonna lie. Actually, I, I feel like my my um, my reaction was it was it was obvious that you were clearly very talented, uh, mm-hmm. but I felt that you were a bit lazy because uh, you weren't running back on defense and stuff. But then, like actually, in retrospect, when it is literally one on five and you're trying to do everything through the whole game, it kind of grinds yeah. you down, right? Like, what were yeah. your memories of like playing in that situation where you know it is clear that you're 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 such a level above everyone else, and you're going against teams that maybe their talents a bit more spread out, so you've got five guys to guard essentially. Like, mm-hmm. was that a challenge for you? Yeah, it was challenging. I mean, it was like a bit frustrating at times, like not being able to do like as much as I could because like having like the whole team guard me, for example. So. I mean, apart from apart from that, I I, I just enjoy playing basketball. Apart, apart from the that that um situation. So, the you got the the contact from a, a Spanish scout, and that was what kind of made you first aware. Like, and ultimately, you ended up sort. Of, I guess what was ended up being a trial playing for Real Madrid in the the mini Copa, which mm-hmm. is sort of the ACB's junior under fourteen uh, tournament, right? Yeah. What was the process for that to happen? Like. Who contacted you? How? How? Uh, what was the actual sort of, I guess, process for getting you to be able to suit up for the team uh, and playing in, in an event like that? And was it pitched to you as this is a potential trial uh, for us to be able to sign you to a to a junior contract? Oh uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't actually pitched to me. As I, I like, as I said, like at these times, I was just thinking about playing. I wasn't thinking about getting MVP. I wasn't thinking about getting signed. I was just playing basketball and. Uh, I'm not too sure what the process was like, but the, like I said, the, the scout had contacted me. Um, he had contacted me, and um, he had they had invited me first. first. Before I actually went to a tournament before the mini copa, I went to a tournament in, in Barcelona in Hospitalet, where we played. We played other ACB teams as well, but the tournament wasn't as big as the the copa copa del rey. Copa del rey is a really big tournament in Spain. But um, it was it was like a tournament on a lesser scale. But I had I went to that. I did I did fairly well, and um, and then they invited me back to to go to to the Copa del Rey, the mini Copa. And were you thinking at this point, this is my chance to potentially get signed by a European powerhouse? No, not at all, not at all. Like even even until then, I was just I was just thinking about playing and just just like enjoying it. Wow, and yeah. surely like after you know those two tournaments, well. Ultimately, just for for context for people, you you won the MVP of the mini copa. You had like thirty six and fourteen, or thirty six and thirteen, or something in in the final. Um, obviously, led them to the title. 
you know, there's still there's videos still on YouTube uh, which have done tens of thousands of views of of you as a, a 13 year old crossing yeah, people over and dunking on people. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. But surely at this point you're thinking, you know, actually, you know, I'm good in England, but I'm mm-hmm. actually good in Europe as well. Like mm-hmm. maybe this is something that I have a career I could have a career out of. Like, did it change <laughs> things for you in in your head mentally? Yeah, I mean, it kind of did. I mean, I, it was a because after the mini copa, like a lot, like pretty much all the teams in Spain uh, wanted to sign me, and then um, it was a decision I had to make. I had to change country. I had to leave my family and stuff. It's a different language. Uh, I had to start studying in a different language and stuff. So it was a it was a big decision I had to make. I spoke with my family for a bit about it, but then uh, I just I just went with it. We just decided to go. What what made you decide to go? Like, was was there any part of you that didn't want to leave, sort of what you'd got used to in England and and start afresh in a, in a new country with a new language and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, yeah, because like I kind of just settled in. I like it was probably what maybe four years into actually living in England because I moved from the Caribbean first. I was in the Caribbean. I had just like kind of settled down, and then to move again was kind of like to like going there not knowing anyone, like just the, the guys that I'd met from the from the tournament, but going there not knowing much people. It was like it was like uh, I did hesitate a little bit, yeah. And what were the pros and cons that you were weighing up? You know, when you're having these discussions with your family and obviously your your coaches as well, I assume. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at the options, you know, you've got every team in Spain. Was were there teams from other countries as well potentially interested? I, I assume, like. Um, I'm not too sure. I, I didn't really speak to uh, speak to him about, it, but um, I, I'm not too sure. Not too sure. And so what what were what were you what were you weighing up? Like, was it was it like okay, I could go to Spain. You know, this is going to get me closer to potentially being a professional basketball player or give me more access to basketball than I'd get in England. Um, mm-hmm. But there's the downsides of the language and moving away from home and stuff like that. Like, what were the pros and cons that you, that you were assessing at that time? Do you even remember? Yeah, apart from that, like, just like just for me being there and having that experience, I kind of, like, realised that the level of basketball in Spain is a lot better than actually is in England. So I feel like that is a pro, like, just me going out there again and actually staying there will take my game to another level. As in, and instead of just being in England and just being comfortable, and then uh, also like at the in the uh, not basketball like wise, I, w- I would learn another language, like get to meet new people and stuff. So that was that was that was uh, some of the pros. That that's how I saw it. So ultimately, you ended up signing a, a multi-year uh, junior contract. Was it was it four years? Yeah, four years. Four. It was it was two. I think it was two plus two. Two plus two. Two plus two. So essentially, you did the two years, and there was an option on both sides. You're both happy to both continue, sides, yeah. continue yeah. on. Um, signing that, and then sort of making the move to Spain. Like, do you remember your first impressions? Like touching down and sort of realizing this is your new life, and I guess the teething problems potentially with having to adjust to a new culture yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, and the way it's set up there it was like we were. All the players lived together. Like if you if you came from abroad, all the players kind of lived at a, as a, a residential. And it was like I saw it was it, it was to me it was just like somewhere I would I'd be able to concentrate on, on like what I want to do, whether it's studies and basketball. Like I would be like really concentrated because it's just it's just us there. I mean we had obviously we had um we had like supervisors there older than us like monitoring what we're doing and stuff. There was a game room. There was study halls. There was a there's a cafeteria where you could eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it was it was like it was something I saw like it was it was something I wanted to do, just to make that take that step. Also, I think it's worth saying like you know the level of provision 
and facilities at Real Madrid is is not like what you'd see in England or you know a lower level, a lower level club in 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 Spain. Um, yeah. You know, I was lucky enough to to see you there one year when when Barca and I were visiting, and we kind of got a little tour of some of the practice facilities and stuff. And it and it is insane. Like, you know, was there any part of you when you landed that was just like, this is ridiculous? Like, it was like, wow, like this is yeah. nothing like I'd ever be able to get in England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was it was it was definitely a shock. Like, I, it was like just looking around, even just um because we were like sometimes when we were practice, the first team would be on the court or they would be just leaving, and then all the cars would be parked outside. They're all driving the latest Audi, and like the the facilities was just crazy, and like it it was a it was like it was amazing to see. And how how does it work with your with your education as well, right? Because obviously you're leaving the English edu- educational system. You know, mm-hmm. you you've got school and basketball to manage uh whilst you're there like what was the sort of you know if you're 14 years old as well like what does a typical sort of day in the life uh look like at that point well at madrid it was i would i, w- I wouldn't want to say strict it was more it was very um like uh everything was like planned out. like you know like every hour you had you had like something like we would wake up early we would have practice i think we probably have to wake up at, like 6 30 around 6 30 we have practice before school and then uh we had school from like Eight, let's say eight thirty to two o'clock, and come back. I would have. I'm. This is my first year. My first year, I, I I had a Spanish lessons for two hours, just me and one teacher, just individually, me and one teacher, because school was actually until five five o'clock. I think I think it was like eight thirty to five, but they like the guys that were new and like didn't know Spanish. We wouldn't be able to go to some of the classes because we didn't know the language. So they would take us out. The Madrid would take us take us out of school, take us back to the residence, and uh. We would have a lessons like individually with with a Spanish teacher, and then after after those Spanish lessons, you maybe have an hour or two to uh, to like wind down a bit, and then we'll have practice with the team. Wow! And this the school that you're attending is it just a, a regular state school? No, or... no, no. The good thing about the school that they had for us, it was a it was a private school, and it actually it was an international school. So they would have a I would have some lessons in English and some in Spanish. So yeah, that that was a that was a, a plus. That was a plus to have and some then, of those lessons in, in in English. And from a basketball standpoint, on the court was it was it all uh, Spanish? Yeah, it was all Spanish. I mean, at the start, it was start. You would they would kind of try to translate it, but I mean, they would they would speak to you in Spanish anyway. So you would start like picking it up, and that was that was good. When you talk about the sort of the comparison between you know what you were having in England compared to what I'm talking specifically on court, mm-hmm. you know, what you were having then in Spain, what were the big differences in terms of what was being taught, what mm-hmm. you were learning, potentially your basketball IQ, whether or not it was behind maybe some of your counterparts that come out, or maybe it not, wasn't, I don't know. But like mm-hmm. when you compare sort of the on the court stuff, how, how does it compare? Was there some teething issues with trying to tra- make that transition? Um, on the court, I wouldn't say there was much of. I wasn't a great difference. I mean, apart from the the players were were a lot like a higher level because they were. I mean, they had they had the best players, I guess. But um, I mean, at that age, it wasn't much. It wasn't much like tactical or technical and stuff. It was just like more, just I guess one on one playing, just playing basketball, like motion, the typical motion, five on five or five in one, uh, four out one in and stuff like that. It was just it was just like simple stuff at that age, you know. And what competitions were you playing in? Uh, we played. Uh, it was. I think it was under. I mean, I, I'm. I wouldn't be able to explain because it, I think it was just under under 14s and the 15s. But it, they call it cadet here. It would be cadet B, cadet A, and then junior junior one and junior two. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. And so what was your progression from there? Like, obviously, you ended up doing the, the full four years uh, with, with Real Madrid. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess when you're talking about sort of the progression each year, what it was, what different competitions you were competing in, what sort of what you were targeting, what you were were aiming to get into in terms of uh, the teams and the competitions, um, mm-hmm. how did it work? Uh, well, at Real Madrid, like the the mentality was always always to win because they they see themselves as the as the best best club in the world, football and basketball. And then um, we would play a lot of tournaments. Like prior to, we would have a there's a championship of Spain, which is the national the national league. So the way it works is like um, there's different regions, and like the I think the first I think it was it was different amount of teams for each region. But in Madrid, it would be I think it was the top three top three teams would go to the, to the championship. But in each region, they had a, maybe top two or top three as well. And then from there, they would they would have a there was a championship of Spain, and this and then first year and second year junior uh, there was a Euroleague the Euroleague tournament. As a in that in that sort of um, national competition, as a, mm-hmm. the in the cadets, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. how dominant or not were mm-hmm. the sides that you were playing for? Like you know, you would imagine that Real Madrid as a powerhouse would be mm-hmm. would be pretty comfortably one of the better teams in those competitions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like, what was the rest of the comp- like? What was the the level of competition that you were playing when you know when you put your team against those those others? Yeah, um, I mean. This Barcelona, for example, they're always a pretty good team because they're they're other, isn't they're another uh, I guess yeah. there's a kind of a rivalry there as well, like they're another Spanish powerhouse. But um, there was there's other teams that um <clears throat> that also have ties with ACB teams like Gran Canaria, uh, Valencia, uh, Saragossa. They're all they're all always pretty good teams having having that support from the from ACB teams. So it wasn't like you were just wiping the floor everywhere. I mean, I, I would say our our second. Uh, my last year junior, we kind of were, but like previous to that, previous to that, no, I wouldn't say so. Was it the last year that you won the Euroleague junior tournament? That, yeah, that's when we won the Euroleague. We didn't, we didn't lose a game the whole year. <laughs> oh really? Wow. So, and who, who else was on that squad with you that has obviously gone on to to, to successful careers as well? Okay, so we had uh, Jorge Mejias, Diego Sama. We had Mario Nakic, Osman Garuba, who's with the first team right now. Boris Tishman, who's also with the first team. Mario was with the first team also, but he's loaned. He was loaned to a team in Belgium. Uh, we have a Mar- we had a Marcella, who's also they, they uh, he's playing with Mario right now in the Champions League team as well. And um, uh, well, my Golden, who went to Division One in the in the States, he's from he's from he's he's from Spain. He's from Malaga, but he went to he went to uh, to college. Mm-hmm. On that note, we obviously. You know, the whole time you still had the option to mm-hmm. be able to take the college route if you wanted to after after the four years was up, right? Um, yeah. When you were assessing that, like, and I'm assuming you had, well, I know you you had interest from from some US college programs. Mm-hmm. How were you weighing that up? Like, was it a case of was was that something that in your back of your head you'd always thought, oh, potentially this is going to be an option, or or as time had passed and you were enjoying your time in Spain, were you thinking this is actually this is the route that I want to I want to pursue? Yeah, I did think about, it, but not not much. I mean, I think what what uh kind of like had my what my mind was on the most. I didn't know much about the states because there's there's so many teams in college. Like you don't know which are the good teams, which are the bad teams. Like which guys are just like telling you what you want to hear and stuff. Like so, I, I didn't know much about college. So I didn't kind of want to like go that route, not knowing not knowing too much about what I'm, where I'm going or what I'm doing. 
so I felt like I was more familiar with the with the European European uh, system and stuff like that. So that's that's kind of what made me make my d- decision. I took. Who were some of the college programs that showed interest in you and spoken to you? Um, there was Washington State. There was a uh, Bradley University, where I think D'Lo went to. Yeah. Um, there was Northern Kentucky. Uh, there was a uh, Pittsburgh at one point. There was a uh, um, Georgia Tech at one point. Did there you t- was, Did you um, take any visits or anything like that? No, I didn't. I didn't get to. No, I didn't get to. So no. when when they were coming knocking, was you I actually? I, I wasn't able to at the time because we were still in season and stuff, and like I couldn't. I couldn't just leave leave Madrid without like just to go on on a, like visits. So that's that, yeah. that's kind of why that's kind of why I wasn't able to. Right. And then w- with the conversations with them, like, were you saying I'm potentially gonna I'm assessing it or whatever, or was it like, do you know what I think I'm I'm happy sort of pursuing mm-hmm. the European route and I'm gonna stay here. No, I did. I did stay in touch with with a couple of those guys for for a while, just th- just thinking about just having it as, as an option in the back of my head. Yeah. But I, I did end up saying that, like, them, like telling them my decision. So when you look at uh, the the sort of the four years of with Real Madrid, what were the the biggest highlights for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, uh, would be the definitely at the start of the mini Copa, and just um. Just, just playing basketball and getting to know, like, get to meet so much new people, um, learning a new language, uh, just learning more about European basketball and professional basketball. Just being, like, being professional, like, being on time to practices, being on time to classes or whatever it is. And um, yeah, for me, for me, it was that, and, just, and all the titles that we won, we won, I won like three, three national titles and one European title. Yeah. So, of course, every you know you represent the the, the junior national team England GB uh, since twenty uh, since the under sixteen level. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested to hear kind of when you went into uh, training camps. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're coming from what you've been used to in 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 Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you compare? I guess your knowledge, uh, what you had access to. In comparison to you know other players that were that were coming into camp, do you feel like it was obvious that there was a difference in terms of your knowledge of European basketball, your knowledge of a professional basketball, your knowledge of professionalism in general, uh, mm-hmm. in comparison to you know guys that potentially have, have, have still been playing in England? Yeah, I feel like I guess just little things like to me like when I when I was there anyway, like basketball, like England basketball isn't as structured, like it's not as much like pin down screens, ball screen, and then another pin down stuff like that. I mean, just just little details and stuff like that, and stuff like like setting up the guy, or just little little details like that would be more more normal in Spain that that wouldn't be as normal in in England. Did any coaches in Spain point out to you habits or things that had you you had that you'd picked up in England that you hadn't necessarily noticed and and tried to change about your game? Uh, not really. Seen as seen as I left left at such a young age, like when I left, it wasn't it wasn't like pin downs and ball screens. It was. It was just like motion and like just one on one kind of. Yeah, had they was that ever said to you in the sense of like, um, you know, we want you to come now at this age because you're so young because we have a chance to mould you and, and actually if you decide not to take this offer now, it's mm-hmm. potentially not going to be on the table in in two three years because you're going to be at more of an advanced stage of your development. I'm not too sure. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that was that was something they had mentioned. But they were. I, what I got from them was that what I got from the agent was the the scout was that they wanted me 
they wanted me there as, as, as soon as possible, like ASAP. Yeah. <laughs> so when it came to the end of your four years, and obviously you've got to have conversations with the club about whether or not they want to potentially re-up your contract, whether or not mm-hmm. you want to re-up your contract, whether you want to go, like, how do you go into a situation like that? And, and at that time, uh, in your mind, were you thinking that's where you want to stay? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and I mean, especially in Real Madrid and, and, and clubs that that always strive to be the best. It's very, it's very tough. Like being, especially being like so young, like guys that are eighteen, nineteen is is very, very rare. Unless you're unless you're Luca Dutch, it's very, it's very rare you get like actual chance to to be able to play minutes and at such a high level because they're they're so focused on winning championships and 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 being the best team in the world. And so, what was there? What what did they say to you? Like at that point when you're having those discussions? Mm-hmm. Well, when the contract finished, they, they, they had wanted me to stay, but with the second team, and uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't really an option. It was, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not the, the best league to, to stay at, at my, for my situation. And then you, would, you obviously then have to then start the process of trying to find a, a, another team, right? So have you got an agent? Yeah, yeah. So, and do you leave that to them, or is it something that you kind of take, take lead on? Like, how how did it work? Yeah, well, it's more it's more down to him. But we we have conversations of of the teams of the teams that that want me and teams that he's spoken to and stuff. And what were you looking at in terms of your options? Like, were you potentially considering leaving Spain, or was it very much like I want to stay in Spain? Yeah, it was. It was. I, I did. I didn't kind of say to him that I was. I was trying to stay in Spain and stay stay in stay close Spain stay in Spain or close to Spain. But it was. It was mostly my my. My mindset was mostly to stay in Spain. And then, I also, obviously, the other thing is, are you, are you classed as a Spanish player now? Because you yeah, played yeah, since yeah. a young age, so of course that's a yeah. big advantage as well, right? Yeah, yeah, um, huge. And your and your your grasp of the language, you're fully fluent now, I assume as well. Yeah, 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 my, yeah. At I'm what po- at what point did it start clicking for you language wise? Uh, I think it took me like I would un- I would start to understand people pretty well, like probably like nine months in at least, like nine months. But like when I was like fluent, like having a like full-blown conversation I said about a year okay about a year mm-hmm. so it brought us through to the start of 2019-20 season that was when you then, it was the 2019-20 season that you then ended up leaving right yeah mm-hmm. and you obviously signed with Burgos yeah San Pablo Burgos um yeah. kind of ha- how was that like going from the environment that you'd been in, in Real Madrid to a different mm-hmm. club new mm-hmm. settings new beginnings new coaches new teammates uh, mm-hmm. Was that a difficult transition, or was it actually relatively okay? It was relatively okay because uh, just because um the guys the guys from the team they were they were all great great teammates they were and most couple like pretty quite a few of those guys were were new there as well they had just came from other ACB teams and stuff like that so it was it was it wasn't it wasn't that much of a a, a transition a tough transition and for the majority of that season you actually ended up playing for their feeder team right. Yeah, yeah, I play. I play with their with their second team also. Was that was that challenging for you? Like, had you gone into that situation thinking, you know, I want to be playing for the ACB side, mm-hmm. uh, and that's yeah, that's that's what I want to be doing? Or were you aware mm-hmm. that that potentially was going to be the outcome? Yeah, I was aware because by by contract, even just by contract, my my first year was actually mostly was supposed to be with just the 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 second team, but. Being the player I am, I, I was with those guys most of the year. I was with the with the ACB team most of the year. Okay, and of course the other thing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but obviously when you're on a junior contract, even though uh, I would assume most of your living expenses, everything else is all covered, and you're obviously in an environment where there isn't really any costs. 
Was that then became that was when you then obviously became a professional basketball player and you're earning a living from playing basketball. Yeah, that, that's that's after yeah after after the junior after the junior level yeah. Mm-hmm. So getting that first paycheck of mm-hmm. like okay you know now I'm uh, I'm actually earning money uh, yeah. to play this game like how did that feel like was that was that a big moment for you and and do you feel like um it potentially changed how you approach basketball because now actually it is your job and this is what you're getting paid to do. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, it did, it did, it was a, a great feeling because, um, I mean, just, just like being able to do what you love to do, like just enjoying playing basketball and being getting paid at the same time is, it's a feeling that, that, it's, it's a great feeling that, that makes you feel happy, you know. How do you feel about your development now as a player? Like, do you feel like it, it, you're progressing as you would like to progress? Like, do you feel like there are big things that you need to work on, or, or, or um? Or other things that you that you're trying to focus on, like kind of yeah. What would be your own analysis of, of your progression as a player? Yeah, I feel like I've I've taken quite a big step from from junior to professional because to me junior level and professional level it's like a it's a whole different game. Like the way I see it's a whole different game. Just the fact just have the fact that it's more structured. Like guys are stronger, guys are more athletic. Guys know that like guys on my team. There's a couple guys that have been playing for 15, 20 years. So like they they have a lot of experience like they they know the game inside out and it's like like they actually look to like the junior level for example like guys to me now that I think back like guys weren't setting screens like now when like when they set a screen like they you actually get like hit and it's like to me it's a, it's a whole different game I, I feel like I picked up a lot. Do you feel like also that the club can hold you more accountable because of the fact they're paying you you know there's no excuses anymore it's like you're not mm-hmm. you're not a, you're not a kid yeah. like you know yeah, you're not, you're not a kid anymore like, like yeah it's a, it's a grown man's game like if you're, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do like you, i mean you, you you're on the contract but there's there's no reason why the co- club can't tell you like we don't want you anymore so yeah, it's like you have to have on your mind like you you're, you come to work every day is that um from a stability standpoint you know when you talk about your career like well, and this is this is not just your career. I mean, in general, like as a professional as a professional basketball player, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. for for the vast majority in in Europe, it is a, on a on a year by year basis. You know, it's like every year, it's like you don't know where you're going to be, you don't know where you're going to end up, you don't know whether mm-hmm. you could potentially get cut. Do you find that unsettling mm-hmm. in any type of way, or is it a challenge that you rise to? No, for me, no. I feel like for a couple of players, it, it might affect them. For me, no. I just I just play basketball. I just, I just have to, like to play basketball, really. Yeah. And of course, I, I, I try not to think about stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it can get it can become a whole mental mind game, isn't it? If it's something that, that, yeah. that uh, you focus on, you focus on too much. Um, too much, yeah. So that that first season, of course, was the season that ended up being pretty heavily affected by the whole COVID situation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how difficult was that? Do you remember, like, when you sort of first started hearing about the coronavirus and realizing? This is potentially mm-hmm. going to impact the, the the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was it was difficult. Yeah, I mean, everyone had to stay at home for quite a bit, and apart from that, being away from family, like it, it makes it even harder because like my parents were worried a lot, and it was it was yeah, it was it was something that that wasn't it wasn't a good feeling that like, just knowing like that so much was going on at the time. How far? How much left of the season did you have when it was called? Um, I think we ended up, I think it ended up stopping in like March, around March, and the season would usually finish like in May, end of June. 
So you had a f- so you, end so of May, start of June. You didn't get to the, any of the postseason. Sorry. It was still in the. It, you didn't get to any of the postseason. It was still regular season. No, no, no. We hadn't. We hadn't gotten to the playoffs yet. No. Yeah, and of course, that was ended up. The basketball Champions League uh, mm-hmm. was ended up being pushed back and played mm-hmm. the end of the 2019-20 season. Ended up coming mm-hmm. through to uh, in was it October? October. It was. I feel like it was October. Yeah, yeah. yeah around October. Yeah, it was in October. Um, mm-hmm. They did a bubble. Um, now you'd actually you had played for the BCL team in the you made your debut in January of 2020, right? So you had actually played for that squad. Yeah. Otherwise, how different was the team that was fielded at the? sort of bubble end of the season because essentially a lot of teams were playing with completely different rosters right yeah the, the team did change a little bit the team we, we got two new point guards actually and uh two new big guys so the team the, the team did change quite a little, a little bit yeah it was, it was a different team yeah it's like it's super weird like it's like it's, it's the team it's the same team that played in the season it's the same team by name that played in the season yeah but actually the yeah, it's but it could be a different roster. The yeah. finishing, yeah, of course. How was that as an experience? You know, like I, basketball Champions League was. Uh, I worked with them for as a they were a client of mine for three years from when the league initially incepted. So I managed to go to a, a number of their final fours, um, and it was like you know the, the event that they put on is always pretty spectacular. You know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, yeah real a real legit event. Like, how was that as an experience? And of course, ultimately. Uh, you ended up winning a basketball Champions League title and becoming one of the very few Brits to win a, a senior level uh, European European Championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. Like just like everything was very professional. Like uh, five star hotel, uh, great like great facility. We played where uh, I Ike was actually one of the finalists, and we played at their arena, which is a pretty which is a nice arena. And even in the final, they they did have a couple a couple friends. It was it was controlled obviously because of the because of the virus, but they did have a couple guys in the stands cheering them on. And did you feel when you went into that tournament? Did you feel like you guys had a good chance of winning it? Like what was the yeah, ex- what was the expectations of the club like going into it? Yeah, the the club did expect us to win, and and us just us as players like we we wouldn't go to a tournament thinking that that we were gonna lose. So like of like a hundred percent, we we thought we were gonna win. And of course, for you, like minutes were hard to come by, right? Like, do you find that challenging? You know, when you're there, sort of waiting for an opportunity, uh, mm-hmm. and not always necessarily getting it. Like, of course, you're still young, so you're still very much early in your career. Like, but is it is it a mental challenge to 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 try and work through? Yeah, I mean, it is challenging, but understandable. Just just off the fact that these guys are a lot older than me, have a lot more experience. Like I said, in my team, there's there's Omar Cook. Is he's he turns thirty nine this month. Uh, he's been playing professional basketball since he, he, for like 20 years. When he got drafted, when Omar got drafted, I wasn't even born yet. Omar got drafted in the NBA, I wasn't even born. So <laughs> that just goes to show like the the level the level of players we have on our team. And um, yes, I mean it is challenging, but it's understandable. But I I, I work out to for me I work every day and try to get better to from to be able to go up against these guys every day in practice. And then yeah, like. Coming, coming, sort of full circle around to, to this season. Uh, you know, what is the situation with with COVID? How has it impacted the season? Like, wh- what are you guys doing at the moment? Uh, what can you do? What can't you do? Like, h- how is the, I guess, 
the lay of the land different to how it would be if 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 COVID had not uh, been a thing? I feel like one of the biggest challenges because of COVID is apart from the fans, we have to we have to be tested like every every other day, like we get tests, and it's it's very uncomfortable. But it is what it is. But we have we have tests before every game and after every game. So and we play two leagues. So before, so we have like maybe two, three games a week. We have to get tested like the day before and the day after every game. Wow. And apart from that, Borgos Borgos fan base is crazy. Like the, the we would have like ten thousand at the game every every game, and it's not just ten thousand guys just clapping like they're up on their feet like singing, shouting. And now it's it's like behind closed doors, so it's, so it's kind of different. How much has it affected clubs in terms of like? Uh, I mean, I don't know whether you know, but like, obviously, of course, if they're if they're not having fans, that's a massive chunk of their revenue that they're losing. Yeah. Like, has it? You know, when you talk about the state of uh, of Spanish basketball and the impact that COVID has had, like, you know, is there talk in the, in the papers and, and local press about the impact and and potential financial struggles it's going to lead for to clubs having? Yeah, I don't know too much about. I don't know too much about that, but um, it's, it's obvious that a couple clubs have they are they do have like couple problems because of that, just because they're losing so much so much revenue from not having fans. Yeah, and your day to day, what does your day to day look like at the moment? Um, well, I pra- normally would have gym hour of gym in the morning, hour of uh, shoot around, just technical like individual technical like shooting, ball handling, and stuff. Then I would have a two-hour practice, so two hours in the morning, two in the afternoon with the team. And then, what do you do during your downtime? Apart from uh, doing podcasts with me, I just watch. I watch basketball. Actually, I just watch basketball. Uh, watch a lot of film. I sometimes here and there play video games for a little bit. I speak to my family a lot on on video call, and, and that's that's as much. That's that's it. Is there anything about being a professional that has surprised you uh, or that you maybe you weren't expecting in comparison to what you had been used to more, you know, in, on, under the junior contract uh, with Real Madrid? No, I feel like I feel like that's one of the best things Real Madrid has is like it prepares you very well for, for situations like these. Like I feel like what I, what I was doing in Madrid is not much different to what I'm doing now. Like it was just, it was school, it was school and basketball and now it's it's not school, but because basketball is not my job. But to me, it's like it's, it's pretty much the same. It was very professional there. Like they were strict on a lot of stuff. Have you got any? Uh, do you have any potential aspirations to do a degree or do further education at any point, or are you kind of like good with what you've done and you just want to really focus on the basketball for the next I don't know, ten, fifteen years? Yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of trying to focus on basketball right right now. But I don't see why in the future I, I couldn't couldn't do something like that for sure. So speaking about national teams, uh, you know, you've done, how many summers have you represented national teams? Four or was it five? Um, you, too sure. I mean... Two at under 16, one at under 18, uh-huh. one at under 20? Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, yeah, Or did you right. do two under 18s? No, I did, I did one and I did miss one. I missed one summer with under 18s. Yeah. And the, the, I, I did have another year with under 18, but instead I played I played in the 20s. I played in the 20s, I think, three years young. Because they were, yeah, they were 99s. They were 99s. And you still potentially got one more year under 20s this coming summer, right? This would be the last yeah. year you'd be eligible. Because you're 2001. I mean, if everything, if, if everything was, so there was a national team last summer, right? No, it, yeah, last summer it was all cancelled 2020. Yeah, yeah so I, I could, yeah, I could still play in the 20s in the, in the following summer. Wow. When you look at sort of your time with the national teams, uh, I guess what the, what the highlights, the potential lowlights, do you feel like um, 
you know, as a, as a team, as a group across the different age groups, uh, you guys ever reach your potential, uh, or do you feel like you know potentially you didn't do as well as you expected? Like, what are the sort of the standout memories of of your time representing uh, England slash GB uh, under sixteen, under eighteen, under twenty levels? Um, I feel like the group that we had was was really good. Like Nate, Nate Robinson, like Hosanna, Tosin, all these guys. Like, I feel like I think I feel like we did we did well. Um, in under eighteens, we are uh, Jacob Brown. In under eighteens, we are. Uh, we um I think we we got like the the best finishing the best finishing under 18s for for Team GB and then we and then we went we played on the 20s and we topped it again like we we got the best finishing on the 20s so I feel like I feel like we could have done more we we I know in under 20s we lost to uh, Germany in the quarterfinals and we made it to the quarterfinals on the 18s and on the 20s but I feel like we could have done more for sure but to me we looking back at it we did pretty well for ourselves. What do you think of the things that? Uh... Like I feel like on a you know on a talent level, it's clear that Great Britain, uh, which obviously that's what we are now. So I won't say England. Like Great Britain, you know, can compete with the powerhouse nations in Europe at, at junior level, every age group, if we, mm-hmm. we wanted to. Um, what do you think are the key things that are missing that has stopped us from being able to get you know top eight finishes at Division A level at every age group? Uh, you know, for how you know consistently making it a consistent thing rather than okay, we finished top eight. This is like the best finish we've ever had, or whatever. Rather, making it an expectation rather than uh, yeah. sort of celebration, you know? Yeah, well, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I feel like the maybe facilities. I mean, it's not as easy to get get a basketball court like to practice and stuff. I mean, I'm not. I wasn't in England for much for much time, but I was only there for like four years. But I did I did see that like just being there it wasn't it wasn't that easy to get indoor court access unless. Unless you're with a team and they had an agreement with maybe a leisure center or something, but apart from that, it was it was very hard. When you talk about uh, the other talents of of your generation or around your generation, whether it's a year or two older, a year or two younger, mm-hmm. like who are the most impressive players for you? Obviously, British players. The most impressive British players uh, for you that you like playing with, playing against, um, that you kind of think are sort of the other future uh, potential stars um, of the country. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, most I mean those guys from uh, from the GB team. I mean, Mate is a great talent. Uh, Jacob Brown, Hosanna, Nay, all those guys. Uh, I only uh, I met Cameron not not too. Long. I mean, I played I played against Cameron like years ago, and I think it was under 13s when uh, Warriors played the Worthing Thunder, but um, that was years ago. But I, I met him recently at the the Team GB camp. He's he's really good talent as well. Um, from TGB, I mean, from England, I don't, I don't know much because I wasn't there for that long. But just those guys from the, from the national team and and Cameron. Getting that that call up to the GB seniors, you know, how important uh, for uh, was that for you? Like, how much of a big deal was it for you? Um, it was, it was a, it was a great achievement. Actually, the first, the first time I was with the 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 men's team, I think I was still seventeen. I was, I was seventeen. That's this was in uh, Manchester. Okay. But I, I, I didn't actually, I wasn't actually on the roster, but I went to camp and that was kind of my, that was kind of my first professional setting, like, with, like actually grown men, like coming from Real Madrid. So that that was, it, it was something to be proud of. Who was that with the, was that when they played Austria? Yeah, they played Austria. Yeah, they played Austria. And OV, Miles and yeah. OV, they... Miles, yeah, all those, yeah, all those okay. guys. Yeah. What would you say about the GB senior program and like, I guess, uh, you know, when you talk about your role potentially with it in the future, like. Is that something that is a big part of your own aspirations um, in the future? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I see my, I see myself being, being one of the, 
one of the main guys in in a in a team like that in, in Team GB. I, I see myself like, as a leader for for a team like that in in the near future. Do you feel like um, the older guys are very supportive of you, Cameron, whoever it might be? As the younger guys coming through, do you feel like they're sort mm-hmm. of are they giving you advice and sort of speaking to you about kind of like these are the things you need to focus on or, you know, want to see more of this from you? Like, uh, as a collective, do you feel like it's kind of a big family is a bit of a cliche word, but um, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. 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 A lot of those guys, like they always try to try to help when they see, when they see something that they feel like we could do differently, they, they always say it. Is there any key piece of advice that sticks out from any of the older players that, that comes to mind? Um, not no, because I, I feel like most of most of the advice is just like in play advice, just like little stuff, little stuff that we might do might have done differently at junior level. Yeah, where where, where they would do different, like in a grown man professional setting, just just small stuff on the court. All right, we're coming. I'm aware of time, so we're gonna just do some quicker fire questions um, as we come to the end of it. Mm-hmm. Start starting with uh, the best best slash favorite. If it's the same person or different person, you can name both of them. Uh, coach that you've ever played for. Best coach. And why? Coach, coach, coach. I mean, that's a tough question. I've had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of coaches, so that's that's a tough question. I, I don't know who to say. Cause I've had I've had I've had a couple of good coaches. Give us a few names. Uh, Joanne. I mean, the coach I have right now, I I, I really like Joanne Penaroya, uh, Keita, Alan Keane. Arbam, Carl Brown, um, and there's coaches that, I mean, Rocker, there's coaches that I've had at Real Madrid that, that have helped me a lot as well. What's your favourite basketball memory? Favourite basketball memory? Definitely winning the, the EuroLeague, the EuroLeague title as, at the junior level. What, what, what about that makes it so special? I feel like that team, we were, we were so close because a, a lot of those guys I knew from the mini Copa, like when we were like, when we were like 12, 13, like Osman, for example, who's with the first team, uh, Jorge Mejias, he's he's one of the Spanish players that was there from way back then, and um, we were just we were just really close. Like that team was really close. Like we would we could we would always like be with each other, just messing around and just talking about stuff. Favorite teammate you've ever had? Favorite teammate, <laughs> I've had a lot of teammates. I say I say Mario Mario Nakis. I, I used to when I was at Madrid, I lived with him. We were in the same room. Mario, Golden, Osman, Boris, all these guys. All those guys. I've played with a lot of players. I've played with a lot of players. The hardest player you've ever had to guard? Hardest I've ever had to guard. I've ever had to guard. I say in practice right now, Victor Victor Benite. Uh, I played against Keelan Haynes at a young at a young age. Uh, I played him. I played against him at the Jordan Brand Classic. He just got drafted to the Pistons. He's really good. Uh, Mario in, in in practice a couple of times. Has anyone ever really put it on you and just given you endless buckets? Uh, nah, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't say so. What's the best individual performance that you've ever witnessed? I've ever witnessed in yeah. person? Yeah, like you don't have to. Say, you could have been watching. Like it doesn't have necessarily. Yeah, I say, have to be... I say, I say, Mike James. Mike James. I watched him when he played last year for Milan. He was playing for Milan against Real Madrid, and he had he had thirty five. He didn't. I don't think he missed in the first half. It was it was something crazy. He was throwing like scoop. He was throwing like scoop or uh, uh, teardrops on the free throw line off the pick and roll. It was crazy. <laughs> the best uh, British player that you've ever played with or played against? 
best British player played with or played against. I'm not sure. I mean, those when I first joined the the, the national team, the, the the men's team, I said I really I really like Ovi's game. I really like Miles's game. Like they're to me, they're they're really good players. And then uh, the future, like when you talk about sort of next three to five years for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you want to be? What do you want to have on your resume at that point? What do you want to What do you want to have achieved? Mm-hmm. Well, I just I just want to be like I just want to be in like a, a good team, just just winning winning games like that to me, like just being being a, an important player in the team and just like winning games and winning championships, whether it may be in in Europe or even in the states in the future. In the future, do you still have potential aspirations to get to the NBA? Yeah, for sure. Do you believe mm-hmm. that you have the ability to do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. For sure. It's yeah. a perfect, perfect place to leave it. Kareem, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, it's much appreciated. Um, I know it's taken a bit of back and forth to, to finally get this to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, good luck with this season. Hopefully, uh, when COVID has passed, uh, I'll see you at some point on the circuit, maybe with national teams or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm sure we'll speak uh, very soon. All right. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, podcast listener that you weren't expecting to hear from me again. Now that you've listened to the show, please take two seconds to take your podcast player out of your pocket and give us a rating and review on iTunes. It would be massively appreciated and goes a long way in helping us spread this content far and wide. Literally take your phone out of your pocket right now, uh, open up your podcast player, go to the Hoops Fix podcast, you'll see the option to leave a rating and review. Drop us a five star if you love it and uh, if you could take two seconds just to write a review as well, it would be massively, massively appreciated. Thank you and speak to you next week. You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more.